Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. Ladies, thank you for joining us as we launch into a new focus in November on the Entourage podcast. We are going to be doing a series called Graves, Gardens, and Gratitude. And just to set up context for the series, um, I feel like coming into November, gratitude is often something on the minds and hearts of of people, that it's a time of thanksgiving. Um, But 2020 has been a peculiar year, and no one has been exempt from that. And so I, I think that we've seen different things harvest in 2020, and then for a lot of people, there's just quite honestly, there's been a lot of death or things that have felt like death in 2020. And so as we explored this unique month in the calendar year of November, it just seemed appropriate to talk about um, a little bit of relationship in a, in a biblical and spiritual framework of graves, gardens, and, and gratitude. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead off this first episode of the series, and, and we'll also have uh, Jessie Salee on later this month. Jessie's going to be talking about Chispa Garden, which is um, a facet of Entourage Ministries and something that came about in this uh, wild, wild west year of 2020 that really illustrates, I feel like, the heart of what what all believers have walked through in this calendar year or are in the process of walking through. And uh, and then after Jesse, we'll also have um, Antoinette Weatherly on as a guest, and she'll be talking more about the, the role of, of gratitude in that process um, uh, of graves and, and gardens. And Antoinette, as you may or may not know, um, hails from the Sherman area, and she is um, is serving in leadership with with Entourage um, while I am out on maternity leave. And so, um, I'm just going to open us in prayer, and then we're going to hop uh, straight into the into the Word. Lord, I thank you for every listener on the other side of this microphone. I pray, Father, that you would quicken your word and bring it to life within her spirit. I pray God that it would that it would produce new life, Father, from from things that may feel dormant, from things that may feel um, dead, that there would be that there would be harvest that would come even from this short amount of time in this episode and the episodes to come. We thank you for your word. Like seed, it will accomplish um, that which it has been sent forth for. So thank you for the bread that you give us today through this word. In, in Jesus' name, amen. So to back up just for a, a minute, at the onset of 2020, our board within Entourage sat down and and talked about what things we were going to do this year. And in 2019, maybe some of you joined us for Hope Now, but there have been some awesome ministry um, interactions that we absolutely loved and that I just assumed we would get to do again, because why not? There wasn't a 
reason not to, except that when we took it before the Lord, no one really had a clear vision or a clear peace about moving forward with doing ministry in a way that looked really anything much like what we had done the year before. And in fact, I remember um, a couple of my board members, and I may have even said this, that as we as we sought the Lord on what we were going to do, it was almost blurry. It was almost drizzly, uh, almost, almost gray, so to speak. And I don't know about you, but... Um, that wasn't really exciting for for me, not to have a clear, sunny, bright vision about what 2020 uh, was going to be. And again, this was in January. And so now, setting, <laughs> setting uh, in the last quarter of the year, that actually makes a lot of sense with, with what we have walked through um, as a world with, with coronavirus and, and different things that have, have plagued the nations. But what was clear between January and March as our board sought the Lord, there seemed to be this sense that we were to go low to the ground with our ministry efforts, um, doing things that were small in nature, that were humble in nature, and that were nothing like what I thought we would be doing this year. And, uh, And so... In that, one of those things that you're going to hear more about from Jesse is the Chispa Garden, and it's an actual physical cut flower garden that was planted in the soil of our ministry house uh, from seed to, to harvest, and that the Lord has just used to illustrate something so profoundly uh, to me and to so many others, and probably to anyone who drives by every day and is used to just seeing open space that's now still in the middle of October, full of beautiful, beautiful blooms. And so, to back up, we have to start at the very beginning of Scripture when we're talking about gardening. This uh, this picture of, of seed, of garden, of harvest, it is one of the most consistently used storytelling elements throughout the Word that God marries through both the Old Testament and the New Testament for believers to have an understanding of who He is, of what He does, and of what He is doing. I, I read uh, a book it's not supposed to be this way by Lisa Turkhurst, or however you say her last name. And she had a chapter, if I recall, that was called Life Between Two Gardens. And I love the title of that chapter, but I really, uh, if we're really going to break it down, I would say that we live life between four gardens. There are four gardens that we come in and out of as believers. And I'm going to briefly overview those, give you some some biblical context for them. And then we're going to spend some time um, in the third of the four gardens that I'm going to mention, and that particular account is going to be found in John chapter 19 and John chapter 20. So at the onset of Scripture, we meet our Father God as Creator. We meet Him as a gardener, as someone who has created the beautiful Garden of Eden for His creation to dwell in. He has given them gardening responsibilities, among other things. And we get this picture of His heart of stewarding life at its most basic level in this picture-perfect context of the Garden of Eden. If we hop to the end of Scripture, at the end of Revelation, we get a renewed picture of a similar type of garden, a heavenly 
Eden, where we see that there's no sin, there's no fall. There are, are trees that are planted uh, in the river of God that, that bear fruit continually. And so we begin Scripture with a picture of perfection, and we end Scripture with a picture of perfection. And our lives fall somewhere in the middle, as does uh, the rest of the Word. And so First Peter chapter 1 tells us that we as believers are actually born of imperishable seed, which is the Word of God. So before I talk more about these gardens, you have to understand that if you're born again in Christ, you, your DNA is that of imperishable seed, which is the Word of God. That means there is an eternal quality about your life from the moment you came into existence, even when you were carried in your mother's womb. There is imperishable seed because of your relationship to Christ. So regardless of where you find yourself in between the two gardens, the Garden of Eden in Genesis and the Heavenly Eden mentioned in Revelation, that would mean that anything in your life that feels like death or that has been labeled death is actually just a process of transformation. And you can read more about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where there, there's actually a passage about, about what it's like to, uh, to have a resurrected body that someday um, that we'll have in, in heaven. And, and it talks about how seed, actual seed, has to be sown into the ground uh, for it to receive its next form. And when you get um, probably around verse 40, somewhere in, the, in, in that passage of 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about how um, as, as believers, things don't really die, they're transformed. And that's something that I want to, to bear in mind as we, as we move into talking about the next two gardens. So again, first garden, Eden. Last garden, heavenly Eden, mentioned in the book of Revelation. In the life of Jesus, we see that he spends various time in a few gardens. One of those gardens in particular is the Garden of Gethsemane. You may recognize this word as uh, our location as, as the geographical place that Jesus went before he was arrested and crucified. He took, he took some of his closest friends with him. You may remember the account. They, they fell asleep in sorrow while Jesus was praying. Um, it says that Jesus was actually anxious in praying. Jesus was, was sweating profusely and sweating drops of, of blood as he prayed to the Father. If there's, any way, if there's any way for this to come to pass besides what's going to happen may be so. And then ultimately, we know that Jesus arrives as saying, not, not my will, but yours, yours be done. And that process of death that leads to transformation then ensues. And so as we think about this Garden of Gethsemane, I want you to realize that Jesus, Jesus is the Word. John 1 tells us that Jesus is the imperishable seed of which our DNA is derived from. He is saying to the Lord in this Garden of Gethsemane, is there a way to get our creation 
from this fallen Garden of Eden state to this heavenly Eden state besides the place that I'm sitting in right now. And we know that Jesus yields to the will of the Father. And that will is that no one would perish, but that everyone would become part of this family of imperishable seed. And so what's interesting about the Garden of Gethsemane is that um, in Aramaic, a language spoken at that time, Gethsemane actually means oil press. And when you get this picture of Jesus in this moment of surrender, knowing that He is the seed that has been called to go low to the ground so that others might have new life in Him, you get this picture of, uh, of olives being crushed by an oil press at that time, which would have been like a, a very heavy, heavy rock just coming down on top of something fruitful and making this product of oil that could be utilized for so many different different things. But we see a picture of, uh, of surrender in the crushing. It makes me think of the song, A New Wine, and we'll talk more about that when we get to the next garden. But as you think about Jesus, as you think about His presence in the Garden of Eden in Genesis, and then you think about His presence in this Garden of Gethsemane, that, this Aramaic for oil press, and you think about His moment with the Lord, uh, the, His Father, our Father, where He's saying, is there any way but this way? Not my will, but yours. And we're seeing this picture of surrender. Then we, we have to know in our own lives that often when we're between these two gardens of Eden, that we encounter a garden of surrender. And I would propose that for many, this year 2020 has felt like an oil pressing garden of surrender where you find yourself maybe driven to the ground in prayer, sweat dripping off your brow and saying, Lord, can this pass? Can this pass? And I would just say to you that the Lord is bringing a beautiful oil out of your life as a byproduct of, of, of fruit that, that was present coming into this year. And so after this particular garden experience in Gethsemane, just a, a few days later, we know that ultimately Jesus goes to the cross. The Father allows this, and He allows it for my behalf and for your behalf. And Jesus dies on that cross. Our imperishable seed, looking like He's reached a point of no return, and I would just say that the most beautiful harvest in life all go through something that looked like a point of no return. And so Jesus, after he dies on the cross, he's moved to a tomb that was given from a man named Joseph of Arimathea. And John chapter 19 tells us that this particular tomb was located at a garden near Golgotha. You can read more about um, the alleged location of this garden at, at gardentomb.com, I believe is the website. But 
one of the, the neat findings about this garden is that uh, even, even before Christ was buried in a tomb as imperishable seed, surrendered seed in this garden, there was a wine press in this garden, and there was a very large cistern to hold thousands and thousands and thousands of gallons of water. What a picture of, of the seed that was going into the ground in this garden that's ultimately going to come up and how not only is he going to be our living water, but he's going to be our, our new oil and our new wine. We find out a little more about this garden in John chapter 20 through the eyes of, of the disciple John and also a woman named Mary Magdalene. And I'm going to read to you particularly about her, her account. But this garden, the one where the seed went into the ground, was the garden of transformation. And I hope and pray that as we all find ourselves in the garden of surrender, knowing that we are held in the hand of God, that we are planted by the hand of God, that we find ourselves living the rest of our lives in a garden of transformation. So I'm going to hop into John 20, verse 1. This is after Jesus has died, and it is after he's been resurrected, although he has not been seen yet at this time. John 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. Mary Magdalene was a woman who was delivered of seven evil spirits, and we hear about her in multiple Gospels. She saw the stone removed from the entrance of the tomb. She ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple John, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. So Peter and the other disciple left, and they went to the tomb. And the two were running, and one disciple outran the other and arrived at the tomb first. And stooping down and looking in, saw linen wrappings neatly lying there, but they didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came up following him and went into the tomb and saw the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus's head, not lying with the other linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had reached the tomb first went into and he saw the wrappings and the face cloth and believed without any doubt that Jesus must have risen from the dead. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But when Mary was standing outside the tomb sobbing, she stooped down and looked in. And she saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, Woman, why are you crying? And she told them, Because they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they have laid them. I just want to pause for a minute and say that if two angels talk to me in conversation somewhere, I might not be so commonplace in my response back to them, but I think this shows the heart of devastation when she 
when she thought that Jesus' life was surrendered for nothing, when she thought that there was no transformation on the other side of surrender. It didn't matter who was there in the tomb talking to her because it wasn't Jesus in that moment. Jesus is the only person that turns surrender into transformation. Angels don't do it. Our loved ones that have passed away don't do it. Our most beloved possessions in this world don't do it. Only Jesus takes what looks like death and complete surrender and turns it into life and transformation. Moving on in John chapter 20, verse 14. After saying this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Let that sink in. How many times are we so devastated by the loss of surrender that we don't even see the transformation before our eyes? Verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you crying? For whom are you looking? Supposing that he was just the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you are the one who has carried him away from here, tell me where you have put him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned around and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Don't hold me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to, to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene came reporting to the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Lord, I thank you for this word. And as we go further into it, I pray that it would come to life and do the work that you've put it here to do. Amen. So I want to back up just a few verses to what I had said that Mary was so devastated by what seemed like the loss of surrender that she could not see the transformation that was before her eyes. She supposed that the man she was looking at was just the gardener, which when we go back to the first garden in the account of Genesis, we know that we meet, we meet the Lord as a gardener. How appropriate that in his transformation, he would come back and she might believe for a second that he was simply a gardener, but he was the risen gardener, the surrendered gardener, the transformed gardener. And what I love about the nature of this story, and I've shared it many times if you've heard me teach this in a different context, was that just like Eve in Genesis 3, who was a, a, a woman that basically forgot her identity for, for a moment, surrendered to the wrong things, the wrong opportunities, the wrong promises. The Lord shows up as a transformed, resurrect, resurrected gardener, and He restores. He restores what He meant for His daughters here to be those who would testify of life, to be those who would see the Lord. If you remember about Eve in the Genesis account in the Garden of Eden, it says that 
their eyes were opened after they took of the fruit and ate. And I believe actually it's my, it's my opinion that um, their spiritual eyes were closed, their flesh eyes were opened, and it, and it says that they begin to hear the Lord walking in the garden as they're hiding from Him. And so it tells me something about Eve's ability to see the Lord was hindered. But in this moment where we have Jesus as the gardener, Jesus in transformation mode, resurrected, transforming the lives of others around him with a single word, it says that this woman he calls by name, and she sees him. And isn't that the power of transformation? That the Lord, the imperishable seed, speaks our name, and that instantly we recognize the transformation of life in him, it extends to us, and then it pours out onto everyone else. Jesus, our imperishable seed, sown into the garden where there was a huge cistern, a huge wine press that would nourish others with water and with oil. I wrote a poem a few years ago called The Gardener, and it's about this account, and I just want to share it share it with you. And I think that it's going to hit the high points of anything else that I might want to say in this. But if there are a couple of things that I want you to take away before we close this out, I want you to remember that in life from the Word, we know that we're somewhere in and out of four. four there are four gardens that really impact our life. The first one in Genesis through creation in the fall. The second one where Jesus chooses to make himself available in the Garden of Surrender, the Garden of Gethsemane, the Garden near Golgotha, where Jesus chooses to be planted in a Garden of Transformation that doesn't only change the sights and the lives of one woman, but of Jesus' other disciples, the entire world of you and I today, and then this heavenly garden that we're all going to experience someday, where we will walk in that 1 Corinthians 15 revelation that what looked like death in this life was truly only transformation. So regardless of where you find yourself today, surrender is not the end. Surrender is the beginning to something beautiful. And this is my heart, and it's God's heart. And what we can learn from a garden. This poem is called The Gardener, and it can be found at entourageministries.com. This story begins at the foot of the cross, where for the nearsighted all hope seemed lost. They knew not there was more than the moment of suffering, and that the victory of Jesus did not end at the hill Calvary. After dying the death of man, my Lord was carried to a grave, where even for a moment I was dismayed. Although I believed, I almost lost heart because the tragedy, my surroundings, everything I could naturally see said, the grip of death has won this part. As I walked one day back to the grave, I remember the state to which I had been a slave, demon-possessed with no hope at all, until I heard the voice of Jesus ever so gently call. 
I had tasted freedom with him here on earth, but now he was dead amidst rocks and dirt. As I approached the grave, I began to weep, for my Savior was gone, and I wondered if his work in my life was void and incomplete. As I sobbed in confusion, trying to understand, I was approached unexpectedly by an unknown man. I supposed he was a gardener until he called me by name, and I knew his voice, and at its resurrection power, my heart was no longer lame. Mary, he said, I want you to go and tell the others so that they will know there's more than the death you saw on the cross where I carried the weight of your sins, where I was crushed for your transgressions and my physical heart burst within. Man's death could not hold me. I've risen to new life, bringing back all that's been lost and giving peace instead of strife. Yes, I am Rabboni, teacher and both the person and banner of peace, your Jehovah Shalom and Jehovah Nisi. But as you supposed I was a gardener, you were right, I must say. I spoke Eden into existence and created you also in a day. I planted the earth and gave it its rain, and I've cultivated my love for mankind ever since the exchange. When seed was consumed that was death and sin, I knew as a gardener I would plant myself to bring forth life in a single day all over again. Although I'm the gardener, I'm also the seed, and through all of this, I have had great intention and purpose indeed. I went into the ground below the earth so new life could sprout, and I'm here with you now, Mary, so have no more doubt. It looks like death reigns if you never shift from the cross, but I rose from the grave to remove the dross of sin from the hearts of my children, who, like you, I have called by name. And you all must know the resurrection power inside of you is the same. So, Mary, when you see and taste moments that feel like death, know that I have defeated its threat and have given you rest. I'm leaving my armor with you as you continue here. Here's my helmet of salvation to protect your mind, my dear. While the enemy still prowls and makes accusation, here's the sword of the Spirit to debilitate him. It's the word of what I have done that sends him in fleet. He knows you are with me, and my work in you is, in fact, complete. And finally, do not fear. My spirit lives inside you, and it is power, comfort, and truth, my dear. As you draw near to me, I am already near to you. My love is enough, and behold, it makes all things new. It is the inspiration of my resurrection power displayed because of my deep and abiding love for you. Your heart is remade. Not only am I the gardener and the seed, but I've also become the vine. Abide in me because you are mine. As you remain in me, I will water you with my word. I will prune you with an immersion of the Holy Spirit's living water that to the world looks absurd. But as you rest and abide in that secret place, you'll bear my fruit and live constantly in my grace. There are many others whom I will call by name, and I will be their gardener, their seed, their cultivator, and vine just the same. Weep no more, Mary. New life is here. I've defeated death, and I've forever brought you near. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 